And we're rolling. Hey, I'm Daniel. And I'm Pat. And this is Y2K Movies. A podcast about the films of the 21st century. And this is our best of 2022 show. Bring it in the new year. What a year. Our, the end of our first year as a podcast. Yeah. Uh, this, uh, what do we have? Has it been like, I feel it's three months, four months. But uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's been a hell of a ride, and uh, an opportunity for us to look back at the year that was in film, um, as only we can. So uh, we don't really have a format for this. I also noticed that I didn't post our intro in the chat, so <laughs> I'm very proud of us for getting that right. <laughs> yeah, no, because it's been a minute, too. Yeah, yeah, you you, yeah, like... uh, you, you were fucking awesome. I still have it written in front of me in my notes, but uh, good for you, Daniel. I'm very hey, proud of you. Uh... Yeah, I just, you know, I wing it, and I got it. Right. Um, how do you want to do this? Because I, you, so you, like, picked your top five, right? Right. Okay. I have just a bunch of, like, I guess I did it more like the Academy Awards, where I came up with, like, goofy categories. Okay. And then picked winners. Okay. Um, And I, I have a little bit more than five, but... uh. Yeah, no, that's fine. I have to talk about all of them. I don't have to talk about all of them that long. Do you you want to get started? You want me to go first? We'll just kind of ping pong back and forth, I guess. Yeah, we, um, you want to start for five? Yeah, we'll start with your yeah. fifth one. What was your fifth one? Okay, so my fifth one was actually Pearl from nice. Ty West. Okay. Uh, it, it, it was the uh, prequel to X and... I don't know now if you I, saw X. Did you see okay, X? Yeah, so let, do me a favor here. I have, believe it or not, I have not seen X or Pearl. Okay. So give me a rundown of X real quick and then and then dig into Pearl. All right, so X is a movie about making a porno and then some killings happen. It's right up your wheelhouse. <laughs> okay. Uh, it has Mia Goth in it. That's like the star. And then she also stars in Pearl as uh, it's a prequel about um, an elderly lady from X. And Mia Goth also plays her. But uh, it's not so much like as the acting as it was just the cinematography and the mm-hmm. way the movie made me feel. Okay. So it was um, it was basically shot like those old like uh, Wizard of Oz and like uh, is it Technicolor? sure yeah technicolor so like it's like filmed like that and it's filmed like 50s and if if i could describe the movie uh take psycho and the sound of music together (laughs) and that is what pearl was it was really fun and it was just really colorful and bright and i don't know it was just a it was a happy horror film (laughs) so um yeah, so if the if the first one is about just if I could see because I've obviously it's it's I've heard about these movies, so the X is about uh, it's a film crew that goes to this like small isolated Texas cabin or whatever to shoot or house to shoot a porno and the people that live there kind of turn on them or something right? Yeah. Okay, and then Pearl is the prequel, um, and is it just how she becomes? A maniac, or yeah, kinda. That's what. It, okay, yeah, that's what it's about. <laughs> nice, but yeah, you should definitely check. I I would recommend both of them. I actually think uh, 
So, well, just to let you know real quick, just to shout out another movie real quick. It was very hard to choose between Pearl and Prey. And... Well, I'll bring up Prey real quick because that was okay. kind of... I have more than you anyway, I just noticed. But yeah, Prey I thought I, I had down as my uh, my best streaming movie that should have been a theatrical release award. Because um, <laughs> Prey was definitely fucking solid. Right. And kind of, it's a head scratcher that it ended up as just a Hulu movie, you know. Right. Um, but how did how did you make the connection between Pearl and Prey? Well, I just I I went with so I think Prey was probably the better overall movie, but I mm-hmm. went with Pearl because of the just the way it made me feel and the look of the movie. It just, it, it it was really just the way the. the I don't know. It was just something about it, but the aesthetic. Yeah, it, yeah, and but if I ever if I came up with a list of like what I thought the best movies of the year were, not my personal favorite, Prey would beat beat that probably. Uh, it, I mean, it would probably dominate it. Yeah, we did a whole episode on Prey, which is one of our more popular episodes, actually. So I won't. Yeah. We won't have to rehash fucking the ins and outs of that one, but. Uh, <laughs> That definitely is uh, was high high quality entertainment. That was a straight to streaming thing. Was Pearl? I know X was in the theater for a while. Was Pearl like a streamer, or did that no, have Pearl a went? Pearl also went to theaters. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, so it was really cool to get X and Pearl in the same year. Yeah, and there's a third one coming this year, right? Which yep, is, it's uh, going to be called Maxine. Okay. So awesome! All right. Um, well. My first movie I wanted to bring up was in the uh, my winner for best documentary of the year. I wanted to mention Jackass Forever. Uh, oh, dude! Came, was that what was that on your list? I it it's in my top ten, but I had to yeah. leave it out of the five. No, see that that's where you and I differ, my friend. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> released February fourth, twenty twenty two. Probably saw it uh, opening weekend, like that Saturday morning with my kid. And, um, you know, when I saw that this movie was going to be released, it was actually, uh, supposed to be released in the, in the fall of 2021, um, but was postponed because of a manufactured COVID epidemic. And, uh, it was supposed to be released on the same day as, uh, last night in Soho. Oh really? Yeah, I, I, and there was another movie too because everyone was like a everyone was making a big deal about it. This is like pre-pandemic because Jackass Four, Last Night in Soho, and I think there was a Marvel movie. All three of them were supposed to hit on the same day in 2019. Yeah, or no, 2020, 2021. Oh right, 2020. Yeah, 2021. Because yeah, then they got pushed to 21. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Soho was the only one that kept that date. Yeah, I went to go see Soho like opening weekend. Yeah, but every but Jackass got pushed back and whatever that fucking other one was too. But it was funny, and the 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 spread between the three movies was really was really interesting. Uh, where it was a joke that was going around, like, well, what are you gonna see? You have the choice <laughs> between the new Edgar Wright, the new Jackass, and I don't know what the fuck it was. Um, but yeah, and uh, I ended up seeing Jackass, and this honestly, this was probably uh, this was probably the first time I went back in the movie theaters. That's not true. 
Um, but this was pretty soon into my recovery where I dragged my ass to go see this and, uh, did not want to miss it. Um, it was great leading up to this to rewatch because my son didn't really know what Jackass was. So we rewatched the first three movies. Although actually they do like, there's a 2.5 and I think a 3.5 now too. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm pretty sure there's a 4.5. Yeah. That went straight to Netflix maybe. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I watched a little bit of it. It's this stuff. I don't know. I don't know what it is. It never gets old. And I honestly, there's a part of me that I never liked the Three Stooges growing up. I always thought it was really fucking stupid. But I wonder <laughs> if this is like what the Three Stooges was for people in the 20s and shit. Like, I don't know if it's that. I don't know if it's the fact that I'm a boy and I went to an all boy high school. So, like, my adolescent experience was very much filled with fucking nut taps and us letting right. shit on fire and doing really stupid shit to each other. And Jackass is just a personification of all of that. And the fact that they're old now, um, and I'm old now, and I know on a personal level, feeling as vulnerable as I did at that point because I just I just had open heart surgery, and then seeing Johnny Knoxville still get, he's a good, I don't know, five, ten years older than me, and seeing him get the shit knocked out of him, there's a li- it's it feels good and it feels like you know what like yeah we are still indestructible fucking 17 year olds right you know and uh that's i i could not you know not that i should be using my platform to fucking sing the praises of jackass like you don't all out there already know what jackass is and either you like it or you don't right but uh definitely best documentary <laughs> that i've seen this year yeah man no i i agree i think uh well if i had to do it it would probably be that jfk revisited from oliver stone oh i didn't i didn't i did not see that yeah that was that was a really good one but that was also like three hours long however jackass for i went to go see with my buddy he came down from new york and we went out to the movies and the way it made us feel, man, because, you know, we grew so for me, my age group, we grew up with them on our TV. You know, yeah. we were we were kids uh, wanting to be them in a sense. And I don't know, seeing them again and just like how happy and everything. And then kind of seeing Bam even. I don't know if you noticed Bam being in there, but he was in yeah. there for one stunt. I never. So the Bam stuff, you know, Viva La Bam, all that shit. That was, Jackass was when I was in high school. Right. And then the continued BAM stuff was, and Steve-O and all that shit that was all post-Jackass, that was when I was out of high school and out drinking and getting into adventures and not really paying attention. The only thing I will say I missed from not having BAM around is I used to love the way they would fuck with his dad. Yeah. And, and that, obviously, with no BAM, you don't have that. But that... Right was the only thing that i ever felt he brought to the table otherwise i always thought he was kind of a smarmy prick you know yeah Which, I, yeah no 100 percent, he was yeah yeah so yeah no jackass that that shit at the end how happy i was i literally could have teared up and cried do a quick uh do a quick two minutes on the jfk doc what was that about uh so it was basically uh revisited from one of his previous once here, let me pull that up real quick. Uh, it feels like Oliver Stone hasn't done anything in a hot minute, and he's uh, 
I mean, he's more of definitely he hasn't done enough Y2K to really talk about, but you wanna know what? Scratch that whole thing, man. It was last year. Ah. It just got released to streaming this year. Oh, I tried watching Hulu. Damn it. He he had a TV show called like the uh He had a TV show but called something like The Secret History of America, which I tried to watch and I never didn't make it through. Uh, That's okay. I, I, I used to uh I mean, I turned that on when I was high, <laughs> and like we just <laughs> let that shit Unhold, play out. The unhold, the untold history of the United States. That was his. Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, this one was basically just like an update. Um, it's called Through the Looking Glass, and it, it was just new, uh, declassified information and pictures that he received. So it was, it was just really interesting. Yeah, no, nah, I should have, I should have known that came out last year because. Well, it we looks talked like, about doing it for Blue Room. It looks like all he does is um, documentaries now. He had two documentaries on JFK that came out in 2021. He had one this year about nuclear energy, 2022. The Putin interviews, 2017. The last time he had a narrative theatrical release was Snowden in 2016. Uh, then he did something with... Um, he did the Untold History. Uh, he did Savages, which was 2012, which was about like the drug cartel shit in Mexico. He's kind of doing his own thing now. He's not as prolific as he used to be. No, but he's uh, trying to expose the truth, man. I guess yeah. He's he's taking a more direct approach. Yeah. Um. And 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 losing the uh, best documentary category on the y2k podcast is shit like jackass so maybe <laughs> he needs to have some more like i don't know nut shots <laughs> his documentaries right. to get people to pay attention so i right, what was your next movie all right number four was everything everywhere all at once wow you actually sat through that yeah, so I sat through it because i kept hearing how amazing it was uh the 139 minute movie um, I, I will say that this movie will probably win the Oscar. Why is it so, so I have not seen it. I have not seen a single fucking frame. Why is this movie so good? Explain to our audience who everybody's heard of this thing, right? Some right. of us have, have taken the plunge and sat down and watched it. Uh, like you have, some of them haven't like I have. What is so fucking amazing about this movie? So, this movie, one, you actually might like it a lot because there's a lot of fighting in it. Like, martial arts and shit. Really? And I actually think that's what I really liked about it. So, it's it's about an aging... uh, And this is IMDB. But an aging Chinese immigrant is swept up in an insane adventure in which she alone can save the world by exploring other universes connecting with the lives she could have led so it's like a multiverse movie mm-hmm. and she runs into like her from other uh universes and jamie lee curtis is in it and she's a lot of fun i thought she was great in this movie uh uh the main actress i want to say her name is michelle yao uh she was great i i the 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 fighting scenes in it man i i would say is some of the best fighting i've seen in a while like the choreograph and everything was really good. I didn't know it was a primarily an action movie. Yeah, yeah, and there's dude, there's tons of uh, jokes about like 
you know, just history, like cinema history and stuff. So it like gives nods to other films. Um, there's one scene where instead of like Ratatouille, it's Rakatouille and it's a raccoon on a dude's head. <laughs> that shit was pretty funny to me. <laughs> but like, uh, it was really good. And I mean, is it subtitled? What's that? Is it subtitled? Uh, no, I don't think so. Not that that's a huge turnoff for me, audience. Please don't think that Pat's a movie, Pat's a movie guy that can't watch subtitles. But I just wanted to know, just for clarification. Oh I yeah, just, no, there is no. Uh, there is subtitles here and there. So there's <laughs> like, yeah. Sorry. At first, I thought you said, "Is it subtitled?" As in, like, is there is it called anything else? Oh no, no. no. Yeah, I was like, yeah. Sorry, I'm on some like you know some meds. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm trying to get this show done so I can get got some meds myself. Yeah. But uh alright, you know what? I'll I'll check it out. I'll definitely um <clears throat> you're right, that is one of the Oscar buzz contenders. Um that probably I, I should yeah. do it, myself a favor and watch. There's there's only one other movie that I think honestly competes with it, and we'll get to it later. Okay. Um my uh, winner of the Best Movie About Making Movies Award <laughs> goes to Downton Abbey, A New Era. Um, this is a byproduct of me being a married man. And if if you're not married, and Daniel, I know you are, maybe you could appreciate this. Uh, I will say that one of my favorite parts about being married is that I have a wife that is into shit that I'm not into. And sometimes she makes me watch things and I watch them just to be a good sport, not expecting to d- derive any kind of enjoyment from them at all. And uh, one of those things was this movie. We had a date night. Uh, I took her to see Downton Abbey, A New Era. Now, Downton Abbey is a TV show that was on BBC that or Channel 11 or fucking whatever, right? And <laughs> right. was on for, I don't know, five or six seasons and uh, then they had a movie, and in the movie, like, the queen comes and has tea with them and some shit. It's, it's very, like, I, I don't, it, it's all about, I, it's a cat, it's like a, it's like a fucking town, and there, or it's like a little castle or some shit, and, like, there's people, there's, like, the, the, the family, and they're, like, rich, but then we also get involved in the lives of the, the chambermaids and stuff. And Dan Stevens from The Guest, which is a movie that I know for a fact we have to cover on the show at some point. He came from Downton Abbey. Um, there's a real fucking sexy girl on it. Uh, what's her name? Um, she plays Mary Michelle Dockery. She's absolutely beautiful. Um, and she's like the spunky one. And uh, in this movie, Downton Abbey uh, needs a new roof. <laughs> <laughs> and they're kind of like uh we need money you know what i mean like they, they don't i don't know how they have their money i think it's generational wealth they're definitely one percenters and um to raise money at the same time that they need more money uh a film production wants to use their at downton abbey as the uh location for a movie that they're making and about, like, they agree to it to get the money, and everyone's like, and they're British, right? So it's all like, oh, American pictures. Oh, my Lord, you know? And they're all very hoity-toity about it. And, like, the second day of production, they find out that it's going to be a talkie. 
um, that they're going to have to re they're going to have to record dialogue and audio. And this is at the moment where that switchover was happening in cinema history. And come to find out, the actress, who's very beautiful, has a Cockney accent. It sounds absolutely terrible when you try to record her voice. And she's real stupid and can't remember her lines. So they bring uh, Mary, the uh, headstrong uh, hot one, in to record her dialogue. And she has a simmering love affair that does not fully bloom because she's got a husband away at war uh, with the director. The lead actor is played by um, McNutley from The Wire. He is a uh, closet homosexual, and he falls in love with uh, the closet homosexual uh, uh, fucking chambermaid or whatever the fuck his name it's real good <laughs> like that it was very entertaining and it was a lot about the filmmaking process and i remember watching it being like you know as far as movies making movies about movies about making movies go this is a pretty good one if you look at like film history and what that really what that switch over from silent movies to talkies would have been like uh so if you have an interesting if you have an interest in the filmmaking process in general it's worth kind of watching uh, it's mostly harmless. It's like less than two hours, so it's not a super long commitment. And I just thoroughly fucking enjoyed it. And it was great because it meant a lot to my wife that I went. Um, she was very happy. We got to go see a, a her movie for once. I didn't drag her to go see like a Marvel movie or some Lars von Trier fucking art house shit. Like <laughs> she was like, I was like, yeah, you can pick the movie this time. And I really dug it, and I really really liked it. And um, what was the final point I was going to bring up? Um. Oh, well, I'll save that for later when we get into Oscar contender talk. But uh, yeah, that's it. Downton Abbey, okay. check it out. I, I did not see it. Yeah, does your? I know you're a married <laughs> man as well. Does your wife watch Downton Abbey the series? Uh, she does not, but my mother does. <laughs> <laughs> so I know that wasn't meant to be a zing, but goddamn it, that was a good one. <laughs> yeah, you knew actually. I feel like if you knew how fast I said it, I w- I waited for that question. I knew it was going to be asked. <laughs> My mom watches so. it too. Yeah, it's an older right. broad show. It's something that like chicks in their forties and above. Yeah, watch. no. Right now, uh, <laughs> my wife is. Her and my sister are going on a trip in March. I think it's March to New York City, and uh, I guess I think they're going to Manhattan. So mm-hmm. she was like, I kind of want to know what it's like. And my sister was like, girl, you should watch Gossip Girl. So that's all she's been watching. And me and her both hate on it. Like, we're just like, this is terrible. And we already took bets on who Gossip Girl is. So that's where I'm at. That's uh, not sex in the city. That's funny. That's, that's yeah. once again, how young you guys are. Right. Uh. Yeah. I just turned <laughs> no. 30, actually. Uh the twenty sixth. Did you fuck? Did you fucking party? Uh, no, not at all, dude. We will have I your thirtieth. Well, we'll have so, your thirtieth birthday party at with or wherever we hook up this year. Oh yeah, that actually be a lot of fun. Um, on uh Blue Room Insights end of year wrap up, uh, we had a kegger. <laughs> oh. So, yeah, and also I already begin the episode high. Jeez. So it's like we're high and we're pulling a kegger on. So it's a kind of a 
that was our party. Yeah, we got loaded for our um we did our uh on, on the Wednesday show we did our um year end predictions episode and her and I got drunk before we even started rolling and just, Oh really, dude? I couldn't even tell. You guys Oh good. my the fucking end of it? I was just rambling. When you hear oh, me the start end of it, I'm, dude, no, I thought it was like I was like I was like, damn. I was like, I think Pat is trying to be like, we should be doing this shit. <laughs> that's that's me loaded like come on let's do it right now We're yeah like movies. it was like damn when, he is getting it i was like he's excited when i start pitching movie ideas you know that i'm i got i'm three sheets to the dude line. that yeah. i i liked it i thought it was a really cool movie and i was excited for it yeah eh, we'll see what happens but, no it could it could be done dude what, what what's speaking of really cool movies what's uh what's your number three okay my number three is the menu Oh, you saw that? Yes. Okay. Uh, my me, uh, my wife and I, we went to go see this movie together, um, which was cool because we both had like, you know, both of us wanted to really see this movie. Um, I right now am a huge fan of Anya Taylor Joy. Mm-hmm. She has been in tons of movies that I've been watching lately, and I act. I think that she is a very good actress. Uh since her debut in the witch so and she's actually in another top movie of mine as well okay so but uh yeah no the menu was really cool uh it was a little bit of a dark themed horror movie it was more dark sorry dark themed comedy i should say Mm -hmm. uh it is also one of my top rated movies of the year as well on imdb so it was to me, it was it was definitely one of the best movies of the year, not just one of my favorites. And what it's about? Uh, it's about a couple that goes to this restaurant uh, where the chef has prepared like really exquisite like food, um, and it's almost like a lottery, uh, or or I can't remember if it's a lottery or like a really high high price like ticket, like a high price seat. Uh, but it's. Uh, yeah, it's kind of like it has um, Ralph Fiennes in it, Nicholas Holt, and then uh, Anya Taylor Joy. It's directed by Mark Malloyd, and yeah, it's just, just a cool. It's a restaurant themed thing, which I obviously want to go to because I work in restaurants. So, but yeah, it's Did, like on an island and all that cool shit. It's it's, it's fun. Speaking of uh, non-theatrical restaurant-based entertainment, did you watch The Bear at all? Yeah, yeah. I I haven't finished it yet, but yeah, I watch it. Okay, because that was probably, if we were to do, not that we were going, this is obviously movies, but that would have made, if I did a top ten, if I did a top three list of TV shows from this year, uh, that definitely would have been on there. That uh, was, 100%. I, I enjoyed the fuck out of that, and that's, and it's also very, very, very Chicago. Chicago. Sometimes they use Chicago as a backdrop in media. Um, right. And sometimes they use it as a character. And that's definitely an example of it as a character. And it gets it very spot on. Um, cool. There's yeah, only, no, I like it. And I also like the guy. Oh, yeah. From, uh, from Shameless. Shameless. Yeah. He just looks like one of us. We're all like kind of <laughs> good looking, but fucking beat up and dirty, too. Like, that's... <laughs> <laughs> that's the chicago man um cool all right the menu i want to check that out um that that was on my list it was just it's at the theater i don't get to the theater that much so that's not 
that wasn't as soon as it hits streaming i'm sure i'll check it out right yeah, um, it was good it was good as a theater movie but it's like a good whole movie like you're not going to be missing too much out of it so my, my next movie it's uh the uh, did you have anything else you wanted to say about that one no that's good okay uh as wins the award for best new classic and um this is something that i have seen both in the theater and at home already uh twice this year and as soon as it hits blu-ray steelbook daniel thorndike edition i will fucking <laughs> pick that motherfucker up as well uh, violent night um Oh. God damn, did I love this movie. And it is every bit of new classic. It is something that me and my family will watch every Christmas. Um, it, you know, it's 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 delivers on the, the joking promise that people make when they say Die Hard is a Christmas movie. This is <laughs> literally Die Hard as a, if Die Hard was a Christmas movie and John Wayne or John McClane was Santa Claus. Right. And uh, <clears throat> I mean, the trailers are self-explanatory. There's not a whole lot. I'm not going to give you a blow by blow, but I, you know, Santa Claus is trying to, uh, there's a group of people that are trapped and, and uh, kidnapped by terrorists and they want money that's in the vault and Santa Claus, there's a little girl and Santa Claus it takes time out of his night to rescue the little girl and kill the terrorists in exceedingly gruesome fashions. And, uh, Man, it delivers. It, it it fucking just delivers on all fronts. There is a um one. There's a lot of good set pieces. There's one. The, the one of the uh little plot things is that the girl had just seen Home Alone the night before, <laughs> and at one point <clears throat> she gets away from the terrorist and she gets to kind of set up her own Home Alone stuff. And all I could say is imagine all the stuff from Home Alone at the end if they were happening to like real people that showed damage, right. like that's the thing is that when the, when the bowling ball hits Marv's head, you just hear like Tweety bird sounds. And that's it. Imagine if it partially caved his skull in, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's right. re- really fucking gory. Um, the other thing that I want to touch on that I love about this movie is that Santa Claus. That is Santa Claus. They give him a backstory that's like seems like something right out of Skyrim. Um, they mention elves, which is like just the imagination just explodes when you think of like what these fucking elves would be like. It sets itself up great for a sequel, which there will be another one. Um, and it just it's something that me and my son saw in the theater. It, re- it was released theatrically and pull the fucking thing up, but it was like the first week in December. Him and I went to go see it, and then it hit streaming the week of Christmas, and we uh, we watched it again streaming with my wife, and my wife even liked it. And this is the woman that, if you remember, five minutes ago just dragged me to go see Downton Abbey. So uh, high entertainment value when it gets when it hits Blu-ray, I will one hundred percent buy it. Um, and I don't own a lot of physical media, but I will own this so that wherever we are on Christmas Eve, we can watch it. And uh, yeah, new classic. Definitely recommend it. Loved it. I did not get to see it. I, uh, I, I like that we haven't seen each other's. This is really interesting. Yeah, I really, well, I really wanted to see this one, uh, but I wanted to go to the theater and see it. And I just didn't get the chance. And my wife wanted to see it as well. Yeah. So it, I, 
I told her that, like, because, you know, you told me to go see it and everything. And I was like, dude, I was like, Bado is saying this. I have to go see this. Uh, it was either the, the one time that we did get to go to the movie theater uh, in December. It was it was menu. either the menu or Violent Night. It was between mm-hmm. those two. And the menu was You went on with your dick. I understand. Yeah, but it, you know, it was also like <laughs> it was uh it was on its last week basically in the theater. So yeah. I I was like I have to go see it. I was like we could go see you know, Violent Night like next week or maybe like my birthday week or something, you know, something like that. I was like we we got to do it. But uh yeah, we never got to it. And That's that really all right. Sucked. I mean, it made its money. Uh it, it, they're they're doing the sequel. Oh, you that's know, sick. Yeah, pick up the uh, pick up the Blu-ray or watch it streaming because it is streaming. Although it's one of those like fifteen dollars streamers, it's like fuck. All right, it'll come down though. But check it out. You know, when, whenever whenever schedule permits, check it out. It ain't going nowhere. You don't need to rush to support it. You know, it, it's already it's already. There's a few movies them. that I really wanted to catch that I didn't get to, like The Whale with Brandon Fraser. My mom and I were talking about that. I know. We're gonna, uh, her and I are gonna go see Avatar in a couple days, and it was like Avatar the Whale. And I'm like, let's, I'm like, I'm, I'm sure the, I love Darren Aronofsky. He is one of my, I would fucking love to do a retrospective on him next. He is one of my absolute favorite filmmakers of the 21st century. Um, and I would love to do him, but I was like, oh, that just looks so fucking depressing. And I'm sure it's good. I have no doubt in my mind, it's amazing. Um, I just don't have the the fucking emotional bandwidth for that right now, you know. Right. Brennan Fraser gotcha. in a fucking fat suit. It's like, oh, <laughs> pass. So, all right. What's uh? What's your next one? All right. So we're on number two, right? Yeah. Number two, Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> okay. I saw this movie Christmas night. I did not get to see it in theaters, and I wish wow. I did. Yeah, I did not get to see it in theaters. Uh, I like Top Gun, the original, you know, but this movie like is better than the original. And honestly, okay, so this is the only other movie that I think that can compete for the Oscar. I think this movie was just so good. It it was exactly what we needed this year, uh, as far as like a like a blockbuster goes. I thought it was. Uh, it was it was a good classic movie, like just all entertainment, roller coaster, fun, and it also made history with some of its cinematography. Uh, they had to, so it was like ninety eight or like ninety nine percent of the movie is all practical effects. Mm-hmm. So when they're all in the cockpit. That is them in an F-18 Hornet cockpit. And they had to fit uh, four uh, cameras basically like in the cockpit, make them fit. And they basically, it was the size of like, all four of them were the size of like a laptop. And they made it work out. I mean, it was just really cool how they got all that shit done. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I saw that one in the theater. I um, you know, top the original Top Gun is not a very great movie. Oh no, w- not at all. 
it was something that I watched a lot as a kid. You know, back then we only had um, videotapes. And you didn't even have a lot of videotapes because a lot of stuff wasn't priced to own. Um, so the movies that you had at home, everyone kind of had the same ones, right? Or, right. I mean, you, you could also dub copies of shit if you rented it and then made a copy. But we had Top Gun on VHS. And it was something that I would watch, uh, you know, it was my mom would make me watch a movie. And I would go watch a movie, okay. And I, I, we had, I had probably ten movies to pick from. And Top Gun was one of them. And I'd always have to close my eyes during the Take My Breath Away sex scene. <laughs> it, was, it was too great, even though it's like no nipples Nothing. or anything. Yeah, right. but back then. Um, and it, it was something that I just watched a lot. And it was, I didn't know enough about movies to know that this was bad. It was just kind of weird and weirdly paced. And it was about them, and then they play volleyball, and they they're angry at each other, and then Goose dies, and it was it was just this story that became one of the stories that you're told as a kid, like Moses leading the Israelites through the fucking desert or something. You know what I mean? It was just it was a fucking story that was ingrained in me from childbirth, as long as from childhood, and um, it is definitely a better movie than the than that. <laughs> And it, this feels like a real coherent, buffed out, streamlined 2022 major theatrical Hollywood release, right? Um, it's good. It's better. Uh, I didn't think it was great, though. I thought it was all right. I mean, eventually it, it comes down to they're doing the Star Wars death fucking trench run and all that stuff and it was neat to after they do the the trench run thing and then when you know it's the two of them on the ground and then that whole thing happens that was good i mean it, it does the beats it's it's you know that dude's gonna come back at the end and all that shit but um which was entertaining it was a bad but you know i don't know it was uh it was crazy but <clears throat> It was crazy to think how successful it was. I think that was probably the financially that was the biggest movie this year. I don't can't imagine anything made more money than that. Said that maybe something Marvel related. Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure they made the most movie or money yeah, this year. People love the fuck out of that one. And um, I don't know, when, it's just like it was the Hollywood movie. It's like if uh, any any big action film from the '80s fucking came out in today. Like that's how I felt with it. It was like watching Commando for the first time. <laughs> like it's not maybe the best movie, but for some reason it was like it's a movies movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I think that Wait. I think that's why for me because it was a movie movie. Like I was into the movie. I was in for the most part with the characters. I think I was more into their helmets, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, but like you, you know, like I just I enjoyed the film. And uh, it was I'm one not... of those things that, like, it gave you it gave you the feeling. It was almost like Rogue One, or not? I'm sorry, not Rogue One. Uh, the Force Awakens when it first came out, like Fuck it was you. like don't make that compare. Force Awakens was a million times better movie than this shit. Well, I, I was just saying, like, on the emotional feeling that it gave me, though, like it was like, uh, yeah, it gave me the nostalgic factor of the F14 Tomcat at the end. Uh, yeah, fucking, I mean, like you basically had your you you had all the guys back. You know, you had Iceman who was hangman. Jesus, that was depressing. Oh, I huh? see what you're saying. The, you're, the, the, yeah, the, yeah. 
uh, the arch the archetypes are all bad. yeah. Then you have Goose and uh, what was his son's name? I can't remember. <laughs> a rooster, I don't know. Rooster, yeah. yeah there you go, Rooster. Uh, Goose and Rooster were based, but it was weird because their personalities were kind of switched. But like the role was still like it was like the shell of them. I don't know. It was weird. It was like combinations of them. Because Goose in the original one was a cocky motherfucker. Here's okay. Here's I'll let you get the last word. But here's just just two <laughs> fucking things I got to say about this movie. Okay. N- number one, and these are mild critiques. I like this movie overall. I like this movie. Mild critiques. Number one. I have hosted a conspiracy podcast for way too long not to realize this is fucking military propaganda. All right. <laughs> no, I'm 100%. sorry. I just got to say it. Right. 100%. It's a fucking, it's a recruitment video for the fucking Numbers Navy. have been down. Yeah. <laughs> Numbers one. have been down. Number one. And number two, I do not think that Miles Teller is the fucking star that this movie tried to portray him as. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think Whiplash did a better job. I fucking agree. I think they should have... That guy looked like a fucking movie star. But no, he's blonde, so he has to be the bad guy. I don't give a shit what kind of little dirty dirt stash you give Miles (laughs) Teller. He does not look like... A, he he's not a fucking movie star. Cruise still has it. And it's weird. I was gonna say the movie star is definitely Tom Cruise. Yeah, and that's almost. I don't know what pack was Saint he made or, or or what the what the fucking whatever man. But like the babies, man. He's eating the babies. Yeah, he's sucking on stem cells. But yeah. uh, he looks great. He still he still has it one hundred percent. The Teller kid. I don't know. I don't know. I I. And I don't even know who you would have given it to or, or whatever. I'm, I don't have a better suggestion, but that one just, he's too nebbish. He's too kind of nerdy. And he kind of seems like a bad guy. Like, I'm used to him playing like, the, like, like, he was Reed Richards in that fucking Fantastic Four movie. Like, Jesus, we, that was miscasting too. But I feel like that kind of worked a little better because he seems like kind of like a nerdy bully or something. I don't yeah. know. Um, so that was do, a little... Uh... What about uh, Billy from Stranger Things? Billy from Stranger Things. Yeah, put him oh, the, in the role of Rooster. Oh, of the uh, Billy is the one that gets killed. He's like the bad yeah. guy in like the third. He, I call him the uh, B. <laughs> he's a Zach Efron B. Zach Efron. That's who it should have been. Well, no, Zach Efron's too. He's too still too built. So I thought of. A skinnier Zac Efron, who was Billy from Stranger Things. No, I think Zac Efron would have been a really good choice for that. I, I, really I did liked... watch a movie with him this year, and he also had a stash. The oh, Greatest Beer it. Run. I haven't seen that. Dude, it was a lot I of fun. In, I saw him in Firestarter, and it was an abomination. We should have done a worst of movies. That's what, Next year, I think we should do our, our top five and our bottom five, where we talk about the top five worst shit that we had to sit through this year. Well, um, what was your uh, what was your most overrated movie of the year? How about that? My most overrated movie. Well, you know what? We'll get into the Oscar talk real quick. I saw Fablemans uh, last week. Um, have you seen that? I have not. So that's the new Spielberg movie. Once again, movie about making movies. Right. And there's very, a couple of those this year. Very we had well, the bubble and uh, Clerks Three. And Babylon, um, which yeah. I have no desire to see, although someone just told me today it was really good. Um, yeah, the Fableman, Spielberg's latest, which is going to be a best picture contender. 
very bizarrely constructed. Not the movie. It's a movie about making movies, but it's also a movie about infidelity and anti-Semitism and a bunch of other random topics that just seemingly get thrown in together. Like, the, the overall arc is Steven Spielberg's childhood. It starts off with him in New Jersey. They move to Phoenix. Arizona, and then they, he goes to California, uh, where he finishes high school, and then starts into college. And it ends with um, him graduating from college or high school and trying to trying his hand at film school. And um, you know, the, the, they're making a big deal about the last scene because David Lynch is in it, and he plays John Ford, a director. And he's he's this really weird, has this really weird encounter with Spielberg, which is based on a true story. But the majority of the movie is about the fact that Spielberg's mom played by Michelle Williams is married to Paul Dano, who's going to be in the movie that I'm going to talk about next. And, but is having an affair with Seth Rogen who plays Paul Dano's best friend. So it's all about Spielberg's character noticing that his mom is cheating, but not, doesn't really say anything about it. And his mom's kind of a fucking goofball artist type. But he's kind of a goofball artist type too, so there's some kind of like mom's the only one that gets me, but mom makes really terrible choices, and mom puts happy. It's 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 more than I fucking signed off on, right? right. You think that it's going to be Spielberg making a movie about making movies? It's going to be like I don't know, like uh, eight mil, not eight millimeter. What's it called? Super eight or something? Minus right, the, yeah. I don't know. Like I don't know what the fuck I thought it was going to be. It wasn't that at all. And it was in the amount of hype that it's getting, like, I don't know. I think that was, it It was definitely uh, underwhelming. Let me put it like that. But as far as overrated goes, I don't know if I'd say Top Gun was overrated, though. I, mean, I think it, people pretty much pegged it for what it was, you know? I don't feel like it got too much unfair hype, you know? Right. What do you think was overrated? Uh... Nope. Not a bad call. Yeah, I could see that. And and I only say this because I've seen a lot of people's top 10. And a lot of people actually in the uh, cryptic community's top 10 because they're posting all that stuff right now. Yeah. Uh, I'll, nope is like at the n- number one spot. Like for a lot of people. And I'm just like, I can't, I can't agree with you. I enjoyed Nope. We know that. And actually, Nope might be right at number 10 on the top 10 of the year for me, or like right outside it. But I enjoyed Nope. And I know a lot of people didn't. But I also know a lot of people that like put that thing at number one. And and I saw, I think it was like IGN or something's uh, like best movies of the year. And Nope was like in the top five. And I think I was just like, I don't see that. <laughs> Like so, well, let me. Here, here's my hot take on that whole situation. Holly, people love thrillers. People love seat of your pants. I don't know what's going to happen next. Honest to God, thrillers. The problem with Top Gun and people love Top Gun too, but everyone knew how Top Gun was going to end. Oh yeah, right. Maybe, maybe sometimes you get a surprising self sacrifice. Maybe Maverick sacrifices himself to save the kid. You don't, you know what I mean? There's a little bit of ambiguity there, but for the most part, with the with without that crucial thing, you know what's going to happen in that movie. Um, 
And when you talk about the movies of Jordan Peele, and previously, for those of us old enough to remember, M. Night Shyamalan, you don't know what's going to happen in those movies. You realize that the trailer, all the information you get from the trailer, is probably the first 15 minutes. And that by halfway through the movie, you're going to be dealing with concepts that you didn't even know, you weren't even prepared to deal with. Those movies are curveballs, and people love curveballs. That's why people love Hitchcock so much, right? Right. The thing is, is that once the mystery box has been revealed, people stop caring. M. Night Shyamalan, Jordan Peele, those movies will always make money at the box office. There'll always be big theatrical releases that get people to come out the opening weekend because they want to see it. They want to experience whatever they're going to experience firsthand, right? And they're both good at putting together these tantalizing concepts. Like, did you see the new uh, the the new Shyamalan one has five very diverse-looking strangers showing up in a cabin and telling a family, we have to kill you or else the world's going to end or something. Yeah, I saw. I saw. All right, the boom. Yeah. That's the concept. Is it? Is that? A, is that a not strong enough hook? That feels kind of played out. But like, that's what Shyamalan does, and that's what Peel does. Peel still has more creative juice in his tank, so he's doing a little bit better shit. But they're both doing the same fucking thing. Look at the way history looks at Shyamalan now. Does anybody talk about Unbreakable the way they used to, or Signs, or Sixth Sense? I still think Signs is a fucking masterpiece, right? But, um, and I'd love to get to that one day because I'm pretty sure that's 2000, later than 2000. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but um, I think that Jordan Peele, I'm not saying he's not a skilled filmmaker, but I think that the fervor around him is going to die down over a couple years. And people aren't, no one's going to look back at the year of 2022, five years from now, and say that Nope was the best movie to come out that year. Nobody. Nobody. Not going to happen. I'll fucking put money on it right now. No. Now, I think there's still some residual hype about him. I think people like to, like, you know, he's a good name to drop. But uh, they're, they're kind of gimmick movies. And and I experienced it firsthand when we talked about the movie. We did an episode on Nope. And once again, I didn't, I didn't say I didn't like it. But once you realized that that UFO was the alien and you weren't going to see anything else new in that movie, the air was out of the tires. And it had to become a Jaws movie or else I would have fucking not even cared. The only, the only reason it held my attention for the fat, for the last 15 minutes of that movie was because of Jaws. Right. 100%. <laughs> Which I guess in and of itself is another movie about making movies. I didn't even make that connection. Yeah, I was literally about yeah. to say, like, yeah. does, does this count as that? So uh, Sure, yeah. We'll give it to him. So, all right, my... Uh, my next one is um, my favorite comic book movie of 2022. And I actually had the Twitter audience help me a little bit with this one because I was very much on the fence between Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and the Batman. And my gut told me to go with the Batman. And I, I had to throw it out to Twitter for a uh, anonymous informal poll just to see what they felt. And they agreed with me. Batman was definitely the better movie. Now, I love Sam Raimi. And I loved uh, Multiverse of Madness. But um, Batman was... <clears throat> excuse me. Batman was some incredibly solid shit. 
And uh, I'd say in the realm of comic book movies was easily the best comic book movie to come out in 2022. And not a bad movie all around either. Um, have you had a chance to see it yet? Because the last time we talked about it, you had it. Uh, I actually watched about half of it the other night. I was trying to get it in there for this episode, actually. Oh, okay. And I just fell asleep watching it. But I will agree with you. I've only seen half of it, and I would say it's better than the Multiverse of Madness. Yeah, Multiverse of Madness is. It was great to see Sam Raimi back. I love. I like the Doctor Strange character. I like the mythos. I like what they were doing. I liked Starro or whatever the fucking that that thing was called. Um, all all very 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 good times. Um, but this felt new. This felt. Because the one thing I do like about what DC does from time to time um, is that Marvel is very interested in building a cohesive universe where everything flows together. And I appreciate that. And that that is that is what they're doing, right? DC, and this is probably going to change you know, with, with James Gunn, DC is not really doing that. And they didn't really do that with this movie. This was just a movie. It was just a Batman movie. Let's make a Batman movie like this. We've made it like that. We've made it like that. Let's make a Batman movie like this. And I dug the choice they made. Um, I really liked... Uh, Batman's one of my favorite characters, okay, as far as DC goes. Um, definitely more of a Batman than Superman person. Like, who isn't? But uh, <laughs> I, I liked Robert Pattinson. Uh, Zoe Kravitz was beautiful she reminded me of this chick that i used to bang not necessarily like a girlfriend but like this chick that I used to fuck on the rug like and the girl was a big stoner girl and zoe kravitz has those like perpetually stoned eyes it just <laughs> like reminded me of her the whole fucking time um i really dug this movie i i dug the vibe i know people compare it to seven whatever okay i don't you know i i don't know i just i dug it it was good i i don't mind robert Pattinson being the emo Bruce Wayne, like that was fine. Um, really enjoyable. I thought the villains were good. It was otherworldly enough. Colin Farrell's penguin is kind of surreal and grotesque. Um, the thing at the end with, you know, obviously the Riddler is the bad guy and that I thought was interesting. You know, it was, it was definitely a, a complete fucking 180 from uh, Jim Carrey's, iteration of it right um and that i thought was really good it was a real interesting way to portray him there's a lot to batman and it's kind of hard to do something you're never going to do anything in one movie that's going to cover all the bases of batman right but right. i felt like this covered a lot of ground and it did it well um it made him be a detective but you know it, but that, you know, him being the world's greatest detective, I get it. It was Detective Comics. That's part of who he is. But it, it didn't, the detective thing, it's like, you know, we get how you can train to be a martial artist. We get it how, we get how you can build gadgets. How does one become the world's greatest detective, though? You know what I mean? What right. what, what class do you sign up for that? And I feel that, like, while this movie double down on the concept of Batman as the world's greatest detective still didn't really show us how he got there 
or or where where he where these detective skills came from. He just kind of has them. Okay, fine. Um, but yeah, that's that was mine. What did you think of the first half of it? I thought it was really cool. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was really dark. Uh, I I think Robert Pattinson is a good Batman. Uh, I love the whole Riddler act because Riddler and Scarecrow, those are like my two favorite Batman villains. So I enjoy this darker side of him. Yeah. And, but yeah, no, this was this was pretty good. It was. It was. I dug it. All right. <laughs> what else? What do you got next? Are we at your number one or are we at number two? We're at number one. Oh my gosh. Okay. Here it is, the big reveal. You want to take a guess? Northman. Yep, the Northman. (laughs) The Northman. All right, hit me with it. Man, I I mean, it has... One, it's directed by Robert Eggers, who directed one of my favorite horror films of all time, The Lighthouse. Um, It stars Alexander Skarsgård, Nicole Kidman, uh, Klaus Bang, Ethan Hawke, you know, uh, Anya again, so it just it has. I mean, it's it's an epic. <laughs> I mean, it's it, it's fun. Um, it plays on the hero's tale a little bit. Uh, it was it's a Viking piece, a period piece. Um, it's just oh, and William Defoe's in it. He plays a really you know, William Defoe kind of character, so that's always respectable. So what's like a, a quick breakdown of the plot? Because I have not seen this yet. Uh a boy watches his father die, boy gets older, seeks revenge. Oh, okay. Yeah. Kind of like the you know, the hero's journey. Sure. Okay. Yeah, it I mean man, it's it's basically an epic. Like it's like uh think of Star Wars three. Okay. But, no, I mean, it was really good. I really liked it. I thought the practical effects were really good, which also they they did use a lot of both, practical and CGI. But, I mean, it was, I I mean, it's, it was just, it was a pretty movie. Uh, Nicole Kidman was very strong in it. Uh, I I thought the acting was really good in it. The writing was good. Yeah, it was just a fun revenge movie. Okay. Yeah, I definitely want to check it out. Uh, I just kept passing on it for some reason. And I don't know why, because it's streaming now. Uh, Probably because I podcast more than I watch movies at this point, unfortunately. But uh, that is definitely on my list. Um, Then I'll give it a go. Because I know you've loved it. You've been raving about it since day one. And yeah, I, I, the witch I didn't mind the lighthouse. I, I haven't, not that I, I haven't minded his movies. I guess let me put it like that. Like uh, nothing's ever grabbed me that well. But um, you know they uh, they've all been pretty good. I think they've all been like C plus B minuses. And uh, this actually seems like a concept that I'd be I'd be more into. So um, I owe this one a watch. Right. Way bigger budget. Yeah. So he's not, you know, rocking independent anymore in this one. This is, is, uh, I think it's from Universal. Okay. So it's a big, it was a big, uh, big budget. Yeah. 
Oh, well, I don't have a number one movie of the year. <laughs> I know we're, we we went through your top five. I I have uh, I have a couple other. I'm just gonna throw out here, and uh, you could just fucking stop me whenever. Uh, most sexually frustrating movie of the year. I have Deep Water. Uh, <laughs> man, this movie did not let me come, and I really wanted to come, and this one just kind of fucking tickled my balls the entire time. Uh, it was it was a fun ride though. I mean, I love I love Aff, Affleck. Um, definitely my favorite Batman. Just to tie it back to my last movie. Uh, Pattinson was not bad, but no one will ever touch Ben Affleck as Batman. Absolute favorite. Given that he was doing an older Dark Knight Returns Batman, but dug that Batman. Um, and this movie was just, uh, it was sexy. Um, you know, I, the cuckold thing is kind of hot. Uh, not, that's not an invitation for any listeners out there. I'm just saying the, like, <laughs> the concept itself is, is all right. I can fucking get it. Um, and it was an interesting dynamic. It was a good movie, uh, but it just didn't quite. It's just kind of fucking. Dad came home. Mom and dad came home, and and you know the fun was over before it really got a chance to blow up all over the place. But uh, wanted to bring that one up. Um, what else? Best animated film, Turning Red. You know, I got to watch a lot of this shit with my kids, and I'd have to say that was probably the most enjoyable. Of all of the uh, Disney Pixar animated movies this year, um, honorable mention I wanted to give to Studio Six Sixty Six. This was something that, as soon as I heard about it, I was super into. It's a uh, it's a horror movie with the Foo Fighters, and um, hit streaming this year. It, it had a festival run, and then hit streaming. I watched it on streaming right away. And, uh, it's entertaining. Dave Grohl is, you know, the Foo Fighters, I was in high school when those first two records came out and color in the shape is probably going to be on my top 10 albums of all time. Uh, I don't, I don't, I think they've put out a lot of stuff since then. They're kind of like the biggest rock and roll band in the world, I guess. If you're going to talk about like rock and roll, I'm talking about like, I'm sure there's like boy bands and stuff that are more popular, like BTS or whatever, but. As far as like American rock and roll music goes, uh, I'd probably say Greta Van Fleet. Oh uh, well, that's I think that's just that's uh, regional, but I see I see what you're saying. Um, yeah. But Foo Fighters are kind of at the apex of their career. They were at least, right? Unfortunately, yeah. Taylor Hawkins passed, and this he's very good in this. Uh, him and Dave Grohl are so charismatic. I'm not suggesting that. Well, Taylor Hawkins that ship sailed for him, but. Um, I'm not suggesting that Dave Grohl give up music and get into acting, but he wouldn't be terrible at it if he acted more. Right. Um, the gore is good. Uh, I didn't actually have a chance to pull up the fucking credits for this real quick, so just give me two seconds here. Um, I forget who directed it, but it was somebody... B.J. McDonald. Now, who was this? Uh, the guy that did... Oh, well, he was a camera operator on the Fablemans uh, director credits. Um, a bunch of music videos. He's just a music video director. Oh, Hatchet 3. Um, but, it, I mean, it's it's a competently directed horror movie. Very much in the vein of Evil Dead or something like that. Very gory. There's possession and stuff. It owes a lot to Evil Dead. And, um, you know, I think 
when it first came out, there was a kind of a, a decent amount of hype about it. And everybody that was going to see it saw it. And I think a lot of people missed out on it. And uh, I, I just let this act as a reminder. Go go check out Studio 666 because it's, uh, it's an entertaining one. And then um, Scream was good. That new Scream movie, I thought that was solid. Uh, best musical, I had Elvis. I'm a big Elvis fan. That Elvis movie was solid. Baz Luhrmann is hit or miss for the most part. But uh, that was entertaining. And then best trash, I had Shark Side of the Moon. I had to work. I had to work Shark Side of the Moon in there because I'm going to tag him when we post this. Shark Side of the Moon. I didn't know what to give it. I don't know how to recognize it. The only thing you can do is call it best trash. Um, for its anatomically correct shark representation, as Daniel pointed out in our episode, to uh, the laughable green screen effects. <laughs> Shark, uh, Shark Side of the Moon, and I, which I, I'll double down. It's an awesome, t- it's an awesome title. Um, it's uh, it's worth watching, and uh, it's on Tubi, and you all should be watching more Tubi anyway. And speaking of amazing fucking titles, the last movie I'm going to bring up, winner of the uh, movie that I saw in 2022 that actually came out in two- 2020, but I want to men- mention anyway because I love it, is of course your friend and mine dropped. Death Drop Gorgeous. Uh, <laughs> probably the favorite, my favorite movie that we reviewed on this podcast this year. Uh, technically two years old, but it's never too late to find a new audience. And I am stoked to shit for their new movie, St. Drago, uh, because I will be there in whatever capacity I can see it on opening day. And then I also had uh, the Y2K Movies Lifetime Achievement Award in Excellence in Motion Pictures goes to David Cronenberg with Crimes of the Future. <laughs> so <laughs> that's fair <laughs> the legacy award you know we have to yeah. every prestigious award ceremony has a legacy award that they give to somebody and, i saw uh, that on a couple people's uh top 10 yeah i mean i guess it depends on what 10 it depends on what you saw yeah <laughs> you know I, I wouldn't if we were doing a top 10 that might be eight or nine you know that might be number 10 i don't think right. it was it was all right. It was good. You know, it's good to see Cronenberg doing Cronenberg stuff. I know. I've seen 60 movies this year, so I don't know if, I don't know if I would. Uh, so I used that. to, I used to do that on Twitter where I would, I would hashtag, I had, it was Pato Movie Count. And I would hashtag every movie that I watched that year, um, be they new or old. Just every time I watched a movie, I would hashtag it with a number and then the movie. And um, I think I'm going to do that again because you realize I I watched less than 100 movies a year, or right. maybe about 100. But when you think about it, and there's 52 weeks out of the year. It's two movies a week. Like that's pretty good. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's more. But uh, I'll start that with the with the new year. Right up on the new year. I'll uh, make that a new resolution. Yeah, I have a. I use IMDb for that. I create lists, and we can follow each other, and you I, can see like my rankings and stuff, and all that fun know, stuff. You know what? When uh, when we hit stop on this record button, you should show me how to do that real quick. Okay. Then... Uh, so I do want to give out a best pet movie, and it was Dog. Ah. Uh. Does With the dog Jared die Tatum. at the end? No. 
Okay. No, go see it. It was awesome. It was a real good feel movie. I have been, let me tell you something. Being of the age that I am, I have been traumatized by dog movies as a kid. Turner and Hooch and Canine, right? Those are two movies. Turner and Hooch is with uh, Tom Hanks. Canine is with uh, uh, Belushi, the, the fucking survivor. Yeah. Um, I think the dogs die at the end of both of those. And like, I just can't do it. I don't make me don't make me spend like that other movie, A Dog's Purpose. Like, I what the f- I have dogs. I love dogs. Don't make me watch a fucking fictional dog die and then have to go home and think about the fact my dog's gonna die one day. I'm even upset you brought up the, uh, you brought this whole thing up. You ruined my New Year. You ruined my New Year's Eve, Daniel. <laughs> I am so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that was a good one. Channing Tatum with a dog. Yeah, it was good. Okay. It really was. Any other random oddball ones we want to throw out? Uh I I I don't I don't uh what was your most uh underrated movie of the year? Underrated. Um You know, probably probably Studio 666 just because I feel like people talked about it and then they didn't. And it, it kind of slipped from memory. And I, I'm looking at people's best of horror movie um, top fives on Twitter. And you're seeing like Hellraiser, Scream. You know what I mean? Like stuff like that. And it's like, this was something that came from an unlikely source. Right? No one expected the Foo Fighters to make a movie number one. Let alone make a, a really decent horror movie. That's like pretty bloody. Um you know, look, it's not a perfect film, but it's a lot better than it should be. It's a lot better than it has any right being. So um, I'm going to double down on that one. If one thing comes out of this week's episode, go track down Studio 60. It's the fucking Foo Fighters. Like, you know, w- watch Dave Grohl for an hour and a half in a horror movie where he gets blood thrown over. I'm like, why the fuck do I need to sell this to you? Um, it's worth checking out. And if you, I don't think they play... There's not a whole lot of music in it or anything where they play it. Uh, Pat Smear is another real good... Because there's like five guys in the Foo Fighters. And Dave Grohl, Taylor Hawkins. And then Pat Smear is the guy that was in Nirvana, too. And he was in the Germs back in the day. He is He's pretty funny, too. And they beat the shit out of him. Um, check it out. Just check it out. I'll say that. Well, cool. Well. Right. I guess that's it. See you guys next year. Happy New Year.